It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into the Locked On Auburn Podcast. Zach Blackerby and Michael Pappas here with you. Recording in a different studio, the Auburn Sports Network Studios on Auburn's campus with the one and only voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. Andy, what's going on, boss? Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Merry Christmas Happy to holidays. you. Merry Christmas to you, man. So uh, yeah, when we scheduled this, we didn't realize we'd have huge news coming uh, the, the day before, but Auburn getting its new offensive coordinator, Chad Morris. Well, what are your thoughts on this hire? It seems like a pretty big one. I think when, when Kenny Dillingham probably notified Gus Malzahn that he was going to be going with Mike Norvell to Florida State. Yeah. I, I, I really think there was one name in Coach Malzahn's mind, and that was Chad Morris mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. One, Chad Morris was available. That's perhaps the most important thing. Yeah. Two, they know each other well. They're both former high school legendary coaches, so I think he respects that aspect. Sure. And I think he likes the work that Chad Morris has done at Clemson and at SMU. And, and perhaps at Arkansas. He wasn't given much of a chance uh, at, at Arkansas uh, to try and fix the, the Brett Bielema mess yeah. that, that was left there. I really think there was, one, there was one candidate in Gus Malzahn's mind, and it was Chad Morris, and they wrapped it up quickly. I mean, within a couple days of, of Kenny Dillingham moving on to Florida State, and so right. Chad Morris is on. It'll be interesting now to see what his role will be. Yes, it's offensive coordinator. And quarterbacks coach. And I think that's good for Bo Nix. Not that Kenny Dillingham wasn't. I think he was going to be good for Bo Nix. I think Chad Morris will be good for Bo Nix. Now, what that means moving forward with regard to the offense and calling plays and that, I don't know yeah. at this point. Does that does, does nothing change as far as Gus Malzahn calling the plays and setting forth the offense? I'm, he's always going to have the influence. Well, do you think that role and that that relationship dynamic, that dynamic, do you think it's already been decided or do you think that'll be kind of a hey Chad, let's uh let, let's kind of work this out and see what happens? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Sure. Um I I, I think that Gus Malzahn always has a plan. Mm-hmm. And he probably has an I had an idea when he hired Chad Morris exactly what the role would be, just what that is. I don't know. We probably yeah. won't know until that first press conference when, when Gus is asked. All right. And it will be the same question that he was asked when Kenny Dillingham was hired a year ago. All right. What's the role here uh, coming in? Because Gus Malzahn took over play calling before the Purdue game last year. Right. At the Music City Bowl. And then that continued through this 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 current season. Yeah. I mean, do you think uh, – I mean, how do you think this relationship is going to – play out it's clear that they're close Malzahn right. was asked about it at the first press conference following uh following you know Morris getting fired from Arkansas and he had mentioned they've already talked a few times yeah. and you could tell that he hurt for his friends so I mean that, that's that's got to be helpful right they're friends yeah and it's more than just coaching friends I believe um he's talked about that they talk through the season they probably talked every week except for the Arkansas week sure uh quite frankly and so, uh, yes, they're friends, and I think it's more than just a football friendship. I think that's what the base is for it. Um, and, listen, you don't have to be a friend to work together on a coaching staff. Uh, and I think it, it probably helps in some regards. And, and, you know, and you know, Auburn, Gus Malzahn likes to have those people around him, I think. And, um, and I think also Auburn has a very talented offensive coordinator in, in, their, in their midst now. Uh, with with Chad Moore, I, I think it's I think it's a great hire. I really do. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like this was the first call, yes. and then, then it was, I, it was all. I, I think it was the. Then. I think it was the only call, quite frankly. Yeah. How long do you think it took after Kenny told Gus for uh, for Gus to call Chad Morris? Or I don't. I, I do Morris's yeah. agent. I well, I I think that call was was made quickly, mm-hmm. very very quickly. And I really think this when Mike Norvell was named the head coach at Florida State. The writing was on the wall then. I think he yeah. had to know that there was a chance that Kenny Dillingham, who had worked for Mike Norvell at Memphis, would be making that move. You don't coach at this level. You don't do it well without kind of reading the tea leaves, so to speak. And this is the time of the year where, you know, it, whether it's a head coaching spot or assistants or coordinators, there's a lot of movement, yeah. especially at this time of the year, right after the season. Uh, even before signing day, the the first signing day coming up, this is where all this is where a lot of the movement takes place, and you've got to be ready. Mm-hmm. You've got to be ready for that next move. I mean, you've listen. You, you you hear about executives, and it's not just in athletics. They've got that list of people ready in case someone leaves their company, so to speak. Yeah, you have to. And and I think that that Gus Malzahn is one of those people. He's he's got. He has folks in mind mm-hmm. because these coaches, for the most part, are looking to move up. Uh, they're looking to, to you know, maybe take on more of a role even as a coordinator. They're moving. They're looking for that job as a head coach somewhere. So, yeah. and in Chad I, Morris's case, you're not taking that much of a step back. You're in a spot where you could easily make that jump to be a absolutely. head coach somewhere else again. Absolutely. And I, so, I to answer your question, I, I think it happened quickly. Yeah, I think it happened real quick. As a matter of fact. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. How pumped are you uh, about the trip to Tampa? I I like the trip to Tampa. Um, I, I think Auburn's a bit disappointed that it's not going to Orlando. Uh, just because of the um, the perception of it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Because outside of New Year's Six, that was the next top bowl out there. And the fact that Alabama's the team that, that jumped them, so to speak, right. to go to Orlando. I mean, listen, it, it's, it's not much of a difference as far as the opponent. It's another Big Ten, really good Big Ten opponent that you're facing. I think that the, the stadium itself is better than the one in Orlando. I agree. Quite frankly. Yeah. Does it worry you at all that – Auburn is going to play Minnesota in a football stadium with a giant pirate ship in it. <laughs> That's got to play a factor, right? Well, but it's not a rowboat. That's true. <laughs> you know, it, it's a sail. You know, they use sail. So uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, listen, I think this is a really good Minnesota team, and I think P.J. Fleck is one of the, the top coaches out there. And what he's done there, and done it in a relatively quick quick uh, turnaround. And Minnesota? Yeah. Has, yeah. Has, I mean, it, he's done wonders. For that Minnesota program, and I mean, he he did a great job at Western Michigan, and he's done a terrific mm-hmm. job at Minnesota. And I think this will be a really good opponent for Auburn. It, it amazes me. This is the first time these two programs have ever met. That's always fun on right? the gridiron. So you know, there's there's no history between yeah. these two, despite the fact that Auburn's played a number of Big Ten teams when it has come to bowl season. Sure, you know, in the last thirty years. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to to doing a game. There at uh, at Raymond James Stadium, and and um, I've, we've we've been there before. 
I mean, Auburn's program has been there before. Right. None. I don't think any of these players have ever uh, been there. You know, they weren't. They weren't on the last team. Melvin that, that Gordon lost. is still running on that Auburn defense. Yes, that's true. It's crazy. That is true. He it's had a, he had a good day. Yeah, he did. And there and there was a Carlson kicking in that game. That's it was true. just not the current Carlson hey, for Auburn. True. It was that's Daniel true. as in his freshman season rather than Anders. Yeah, that's back when he was uh, kicking and punting. Yes. I believe. Yeah, yes, indeed. Busy, uh, busy year for him. What do you think about some of the players that, that are shoe in for top draft picks playing in this game? I mean, do you expect Eric Brown, <sighs> yeah, Marlon Davidson? Uh, that that has to be a factor mm-hmm. in this day and age. And I don't know. I'd, it'll be interesting to see what what happens with regard to that. It's become the trend, especially in the non-playoff games, right? Where you see guys decide to, to sit out, and and for some it works out. Real well. Look at McCaffrey with with uh, with Carolina and what sure. what he's done with the Panthers. And he he did not play in that bowl game for Stanford. He was one of the first name players to do that. Christian McCaffrey. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that if unless in the, the the two guys to me that come to mind are are Derek and Marlin. Those are the two guys. And because maybe Tega, maybe maybe Prince Tega, uh, because you know. Take I think could have gone to the draft a year ago and decided sure. to come back. Certainly, Derek would have been a high pick. So would have Marlin a yeah. year ago. And I think they'll be even even higher, better, better yeah. draft picks right. coming into this season. And in who knows who's talking in their ear mm-hmm. at this point. So that'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that how that develops in the next couple in the next couple weeks. And just from a character standpoint, I mean, it seems like Derek and Marlon both are the kind of guys that they're, they're going to want to be out there with with their team. Auburn is going to miss Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson for a number of reasons yeah. when when their career is done. Wherever whenever it is, whether it's that the career is already done or whether it's after that game against Minnesota on January 1st because they they certainly will miss them on the field. We we all know that. Yeah. They're going to miss them off the field because those are two leaders. Those are two guys that could be playing on Sundays right now rather than mm-hmm. Saturdays. They could be wrapping up their first year in the NFL. And they decided to come back to Auburn. And, and for Derek, it was a number of reasons. I think one of the reasons he came back was his little brother sure, uh, to, to finish it. Uh, and, and Marlon coming back, uh, I think they wanted to finish their careers at Auburn. And they had some chances this year to – to, to make that run to a conference championship yeah, and, and their chan- and a chance to to get to the playoffs they were very, they were they were a a missed onside kickaway perhaps sure. of doing that because if they beat Georgia and they beat Alabama mm-hmm. that that decision is tough for the playoff committee I think yeah to keep Auburn out of it at that point so yes they were very close and and it wasn't just those guys. There are a number of guys that, that could have gone to the to the NFL a year ago, probably not as high as a draft pick as those two, but decided to come back and and play their and I and I respect them for doing that. Yeah. I, listen, you, in this in age, you cannot fault a player if if he's getting good intel with regard to the draft for going out there and making money as an NFL player and making money for his family. You you, you can't fault them sure for that, um, but. I have even more respect for those guys that they came back to Auburn and had the year that they did at Auburn as well. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So your your first regular season as voice of the Auburn Tigers is, is in the books. I yeah. mean, a lot of firsts there, but holy cow, that first Iron Bowl, what a um, – I bet that was a pretty cool Yeah, pretty cool and I'm, I'm not you. sure it's really set in yet. Okay. How special that game was. Yeah. Quite frankly, that you know, that's not one of those games where you can you can take a step back during the game and say, Whew, "This is pretty special." Yeah. Because the game was from start to finish, there was no break in the action. Gosh, that was you know, ride, man. And yeah. uh, and and you get done with a game like that, and I look down at my my the the spotting boards that I use, and I've got notes on every player on the two or three deep in that game for both teams. Yeah. I might have used 5 to 10% of the notes that I had on the board. <laughs> that less than normal? Uh, yeah, that's less than normal. Sure. Just because there was so much action going on in the field that there wasn't a lot of time <laughs> for me yeah. to look down and, and to pick up a note on a player. I comp- I'll be honest. I completely missed. I didn't miss it. I just didn't – it didn't even dawn on me when Bo Nix set the Auburn passing record for a freshman. Oh, wow. I have no idea when that when that occurred in that game. I had it on my notes. I knew I knew when it should occur. Mm-hmm. Never referred to. Yeah, it. I think it was late first half, if yeah. I remember correctly. I don't remember. Sure. So you know th- that's just an example of, of a game that there's so much going on on the field that I didn't. I don't know about Eli mm-hmm. uh, in the other booth right. uh, with regard to the notes and that type of thing. But for me, that was. That was all about the game. It was all about calling the game, calling the game well. Uh, and there was so much going on in that game for me. It's it already was, extra pressure with it being an Iron Bowl, too. Yeah. The, I, you know what? I, I, I felt pressure going into two games this year. Three. Let me put it that way. Three. The first and the last one? Oregon for sure. Yeah. And, and I've told you guys. It really took me a quarter and a half to catch up to the speed mm-hmm. of that. I just felt like I, I could not get into a rhythm until about midway through the second quarter. Okay. I felt a little pressure going into the first home game because that was going to be the game they were going to honor Rod and Paula. Right. So there was, there was that, uh, that emotional tie to that game. And then I felt pressure going into the Iron Bowl. Um, and I had been in Brooklyn for four days leading into that because of basketball. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it was, there was just, you know, I had, we had family in town. My brother and his wife were going to their very first Iron Bowl game. Um, and there was a lot on the line. And, and yeah, so I, I felt some pressure going into that one as well. I'm not sure, sure exactly why, but, but I did. I mean, there's something special about the Iron Bowl. Sure. I mean, I mean it's, you know, it's, it's the game every year. It's the first one of those that, that I was going to get to call as, as the voice, the play by play guy. And I wanted to do, I wanted to do a good job with it. So, what's your favorite? I, and I was fortunate that it, that we had the the kind of game that we did. Do you have a favorite call of a play this year? Was it still Seth's game winner against Oregon, or was it something from the Iron Bowl? Was it uh, the pick six from Zacoby? Yeah, Zacoby's pick six perhaps is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, the the bow to Seth against Oregon will always be there because it was the first game and how that game ended. I mean, that's going to be iconic for a long time. I, mean, I that, hope so. Yeah, I, think I, it's yeah, I hope be. it is. I mean, with all the storylines you know, going into it, I mean, that, that's going to be that's going to be something that people talk about yeah. for a long time. And is that weird to think about? Yes, it is. It, this whole – listen, my, my wife Jan and I, and, and Jan's been an Auburn fan her whole life. Well, not her whole life. She grew up in a split family. 
Her dad and her sister both are Alabama grads, and she and her mother are Auburn grads. Okay. And they went, they had season tickets to both programs since the 70s. And Jan still sits in the family season tickets at Jordan Air Stadium to this day, so yeah. to speak. So Jan and I sat back and, and kind of looked back. I mean, because that week leading into the Iron Bowl was six months since Rod and Paula's passing. Right. And the last six months, quite frankly, for, for Jan and I have, have been a blur. I bet. Mm-hmm. With all the changes in our lives and all the changes in a lot of people's lives, certainly Josh and Shelby. And then my job. So, whew, it's this six months, this, this first football season, is there are times where it, you know, it feels like um, it, it's hard for me to go back and try and remember different games. Mm-hmm. It, all kinds of run, it all kind of runs together. Right. You know? And um, so I'm not. What would you? What were you asking? I, I, <laughs> it's interesting that you said that though, because that happens to me. And I'm all I do is watch the games, so I can only imagine, you know, being a part of it in the yeah. way that you are. How how difficult it must be just to it, keep everything uh, separate. Yeah, it, it is still surreal to think that 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 is the job that I have, mm-hmm. and that I that I go to that booth, and put on those headsets, and I get to call the games. With Stan and and Ronnie and Paul and Jason and Brad and and all the folks in our booth, right? Uh, and then I get to come into into this office where we're we're doing the the interview today, and and I get to 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 get ready for a big basketball game coming up on Saturday in Birmingham against St. Louis University in the Mike's Live Invitational. Sure, uh, and get to work with Sonny doing and Brad doing basketball, and I'll work with Brad for baseball season coming up. Um, so. Lots of things have changed, dramatically changed in our lives in six months. Well, you know, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned your wife, Jan, and obviously, you know, the, the kids. There's been, there's been a lot of different versions of that story being told over the past six months or so. Uh, you know, ESPN on game day did a, did a great bit. You know, there's something on HBO as well. Do you think that story has been told Appropriately, do you think that story is honoring yeah, there, the most? Yeah, you know, there have been there have been three different groups in our home uh, to tell that story. HBO from Real Sports, yeah, and Mary Carrillo was the 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 talent, and then ESPN came in the week of. They came in the week I think of Mississippi State. Okay, and Tom Rinaldi was in our home. And then a couple days later, CBS was in our home okay. to do feature. I think all three have told the story well. I think they've, they've been accurate in what they and how they told the story. Each have been different in how they tell the story, their style, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Um, so we're, we're kind of ready for that part to be over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, that's just a lot of time and – you know, you're opening up your home to a lot of people you don't know, and um, we've told the story. Sure. And I would imagine the story will be told again in, in May when, when it's a year anniversary of the of the passing. But I, th- I thought they did a good job with, with each of the features that were done sure. in, in telling that story. So, yeah. Yeah. 
you mentioned uh, you mentioned basketball. What a start of the season. Yeah. You know, a lot of tough opponents, not huge names. You know, there's not numbers next to them or anything like that, but solid teams that you may see uh, in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year. I think we'll see Davidson in the NCAA tournament. I think we could see South Alabama yeah. in the NCAA tournament. I think we could see Furman mm-hmm. um, out of the SOCON in the NCAA tournament. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we don't see New Mexico or Richmond. Yeah. Uh, coming up in the That's NCAA. pretty much Auburn's whole schedule well, <laughs> up to this point. St. Louis is a team that won the A-10 tournament a year ago okay. and returned a lot from that team. Um, North Carolina State is a perennial NCAA tournament team. Right. Uh, you've got Lehigh and Lipscomb before the conference season starts, and then the grind starts mm-hmm. January 4th. Uh, when, when Auburn opens up the Southeastern Conference season at Mississippi State. Yeah. What are your early thoughts on this team? One of five undefeateds left after three went down last night. Yeah. This is a very athletic team. Yeah. I think it's even more athletic than it was a year ago. I agree. Austin Wiley's healthy. That's a big, big factor. He's kind of coming to his own. For this team, he is. Auburn found or Auburn showed a way that it can win a game when it's not shooting well, and that was the Furman game. It just didn't shoot very well against Furman and then won the game from the inside out, so to speak. I think this team has surprised even Bruce Pearl to be 8-0. and Oh, really? I do. Yeah. I, I think he, going into the season, expected to, to, to take a couple losses early on because he knew the teams that they were playing and how many players were coming back on those teams. Uh, and yet this team's ain't no going to play a good St. Louis team, which has only lost once this season on, on Saturday. Pearl's and, got a lot of respect for the St. Louis team. He's talked about them a few times this uh, preseason. I've, I've not heard him talk about one team this year where he did not have respect for the opponent. Sure. And I, I don't think that will change, mm-hmm. regardless of who Auburn's playing. And, and then certainly when you get into the SEC, well, that that speaks for itself. Yeah. The last time Auburn played at Birmingham, it played a, a UAB team, and right. that you know that that arena was was pretty crazy. I mean, it was it was a fun environment. Uh, I it'll, imagine it'll be, it's going it, to be more Auburn. Be a, yeah, I would think so. It'll be a yeah. little more of an Auburn crowd this week, and I don't know how many St. Louis will bring with it uh, to the game or not. And I think that's I, I don't know if it's a concern is the right way to put it for Bruce Pearl. He wants to see a huge Auburn contingent at the at this game, and not just because he wants. Auburn to be well represented there, but you know he's played a lot on the road. Some of these games have been neutral site games, like Davidson when they played at Navy, and the two games they played in Brooklyn. But he also knows the value of playing a game at Auburn Arena now, right. and how much of a home court advantage that is. And his point is this: Listen, if we're going to go and play a game like this, there better be a big Auburn crowd there mm-hmm. at this game for us to leave the arena to go play a team like St. Louis University. Right. Yeah. How is it different for you? Well, I, I assume you use spotting boards for basketball also. Yeah. And how is it different for you prepping for basketball where you might have two games in a week versus for football where you know, like, you know, I need to have my board ready by this day to be prepared for the game on Saturday and, and all that? I already have names and numbers. And stats in for Auburn for the Minnesota game on January 1. The St. Louis boards for Saturday are complete. And I'll start to work on North Carolina State and, and Lehigh later this week. I always try to be ahead mm-hmm. 
um, as far as that. Basketball is different because at the most you're, you're, you're prepping for 14 or 15 players on the other team. So it's, it's not nearly as involved as, as far as the number of opponents or home players. That, that, you know, and and for, for, for Auburn's spotting boards, so to speak, or score sheets, you're basically updating stats. Mm-hmm. And a note, for example, Isaac Okoro, career high, 18 points, nine rebounds, two-time SEC player of the week, that type of thing. So there's not a lot of change on the Auburn side other than the stats. Sure, sure. Andy, thank you so much for your time, man. We My really pleasure. appreciate it. Know you're yeah. super busy, and um, hopefully we can do this again uh, again soon. Love to, guys. Have a great day. War Eagle. Thank you. Thank right you. back at you, Andy. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. We'll be back for the Thursday edition of Locked On Auburn tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.